0: Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And thanks to today's sponsors, Arm & Hammer's new cloud control cat litter, DDP Yoga, Indeed.com, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, and O'Reilly Auto Parts. And today it's a return to the rock with Fozzie. High school bands, uh, school of rock, high school confidential. Uh, Rich Ward, Frank Fonsore, Billy Gray sit down to talk music But this time, it's all about our high school bands. Fozzie's not the first band for any of us. And you'll hear how we all got started. The first cover songs we learned, the first gigs we played, the first real songs we wrote, some of the ridiculous and uh, short-lived band names that we had. And then you can hear how all that turned into Fozzie. And then our spring tour coincidentally starts in May 15th in Greenville, South Carolina at the Firmament. Uh, May 16th, Greensboro, North Carolina at Cone Denim. Nita Strauss opens both of those shows. May 17th, Virginia Beach at the Lunatic Luau. May 18th at the MMRBQ in Camden, New Jersey at the BB&T Pavilion. Then we go July 12th, Mansfield, Ohio at Incarceration. And then this fall, we're headed out west Unleashed in the west as we built a tour around our opening slot at the stadium show back of California stadium in Los Angeles, supporting iron maiden. And that's on September 14th, but we'll be on the road starting September 5th in Denver, Colorado Springs, Grand Junction, Colorado, Salt Lake city, crystal Bay, Nevada, San Francisco, Sacramento, Las Vegas, San Diego, Tempe, Los Angeles, Tucson, El Paso, Dallas, Houston, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And we finished September 28th in Atlanta, Georgia at the Masquerade. All ticket info at FozzyRock.com. You can also buy tickets to our exclusive, special, amazing VIP meet and greet. Uh, we do it before each show. One of the best in the business. We do a a mini set of originals and covers. We take pictures. We take requests, uh, sign autographs, kiss babies, and shake hands. Come hang with Fozzy uh, right now at fozzyrock.com for all ticket and VIP information. And thanks uh, to all the great sponsors here on Talk is Jericho that make us uh, possible here, including O'Reilly Auto Parts. Trust the friendly, knowledgeable parts professionals at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Our professionals know what it takes to get the job done right. Professional technicians have counted on O'Reilly Auto Parts for years. Come see for yourself O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. All right, so... Um, Here we are in Berlin on a day off. Big Fozzy tour. Everything's been going great. And the other day we were having a conversation and Frank, our drummer, came up with the idea of doing a a show about our high school bands. Yep. And you said it was my first good idea in 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) So it's uh, the the core members of Fozzy, Frank, Rich, and Billy and myself. And um, I think that's a pretty good idea.
1: And I guess maybe just start with you frank How'd you, how did you when did you start playing drums i started playing drums when i was 10 i actually started off on guitar oddly enough really yeah and we see how well that went and uh <laughs> just like uh, alex van halen yeah yeah i wanted a guitar and i was given a guitar and i started taking lessons and it just i never took to it it just didn't feel natural i mean like holding it and posing in the mirror felt perfectly natural, you right. know, but actually trying to play it, and I i was taking lessons with this guy who was this old man um, who, you know, probably you know, was playing for a bebop band in the 40s or something, and um, I just remember he would hold my fingers on the on the strings. He said, "You got to build up calluses on your fingers, see." And uh, and he had a glass eye, by the way. And uh, was Bugs Bunny's
2: nemesis.
3: Yeah, he was.
1: And he said, "You have to, you know." He, I would like he would show me how to finger a chord, and he's like, "You got to press really hard on the string so you'll get calluses like this." And he would take his thumb, and like press on my finger like super hard on the fretboard. I'm like, "Ow!" and I'm like. This was supposed to be fun, you know. I just, <laughs> I hated my teachers, so I gave that up. And so then I decided, nah, I don't, I don't want to be a guitar player. I want to be a drummer. And uh, and the, my mom said, well, we bought you a guitar. You didn't really like it, so let's just get you a drum and see how you do with that. And she just bought me like a little snare drum and a, on a stand with a pair of sticks. And as soon as I had the sticks in my hand, I just wouldn't stop. You know, it's like, okay, I guess you like the drums. And so. The, Hold well, on a second. I just want to make sure. Yeah, exactly. So,
0: um, okay, so I'll I'll, I'll just kind of throw myself in there. So when I was in uh, uh, junior high school, actually before that, I think elementary school. Wow, that's early. Uh, yeah, early. And I want I decided I wanted to be uh, a guitar player because I was a big fan of music, as you know, Beatles and whatever. So there was a place at the end of the street in Winnipeg called Kent's Music. And when I went into Kent's music, that guy also had a glass eye. He was a Scottish guy. You can pay your dues. You'll pay you only some money. <laughs> Fifteen bucks a blessing. Whatever he would say, but he had one weird eye going left. Yeah, what's And like I remember that? there was a big poster of Jerry Mercer of April Wine on the wall. Whoa. At Kent's Music. I don't know why. There you go. And so Brad was my guitar teacher. And Brad was this kind of a weird guy, kinda of had Malcolm Young hair. Um and he wore, I remember like red long johns as pants. <laughs> And I would always have to learn like Irish Washerwoman, which is Bing 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 Bing. bing, And so I learned that one week, and he's like, "Hey man, this sucks. Why don't you like? Why don't we learn something? Like, what do you want to learn? Like, what do you like? I like Def Leppard." He goes, "Okay." Then he he charted Photograph for me, and he charted Start Me Up by the Stones because he went to Minneapolis to see the Stones in '81 on the Tattoo U tour, and then he charted Paranoid. And I remember I was like, you know, I just found out like, you know, the song doesn't even have the title Paranoid in it. he's like, what do you expect it's going to be? Paranoid, Paranoid, (laughs) I am Paranoid. So uh, I later gave up the guitar and made the very smart move to take up the tuba in grade seven where you could take a guitar band and I went into the tuba and I kind of got straight from my rock and
2: roll roots. But little known fact, tuba, very popular with the chicks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Along with the red long johns. And one last thing. So this guy, Brad, he was in a band in Winnipeg called the Crash Test Dummies uh ah. move forward. Long Thirteen years later, mm-hmm. so that guy Brad Roberts was my old guitar teacher. Oh, he was oh, awesome. huge! He, he was huge! Yeah, he was so big that Weird Al Yankovic even did a parody of his song.
2: That's when you know you that's when you're huge. Yeah. You I, have made I, it.
0: The caveat of it is, I played a, a celebrity hockey game in 2000 at the Garden. And uh, he was singing the national anthem. I went up to say, hey, "Chris Jericho, uh, WWE used to be my guitar teacher." He just totally shunned me. Just walked away. Whoa! Just went. He just went, Yeah. And just walked away. He oh, had even he, yeah. I mean, heard go, yeah. <laughs> <And walk away. laughs>
4: "Yeah." Yeah. Oh, see. So, Billy, how'd you start playing guitar? I started. I played ice hockey up until the point of uh, about eleven, and uh, always liked to Kiss. You know, even even like during kindergarten and all those grades up until, you know, I started uh, playing guitar. Anyway, I uh got Please into a- tell
2: me that your hockey coach had a glass eye <laughs> <laughs> after I slapped a slap shot at him. <laughs> okay. So I um uh, I had a uh,
4: a babysitter whose son played guitar. He had an Aria Pro 2 Les Paul copy with a PV stack I saw him playing um, a "Long Time" by Boston, and I, you know, I really got into it. My dad had a guitar in the closet all the time as a kid, so bro- uh, broke out the guitar and asked my mom if I could take lessons. And the uh, the guy started teaching me, and I uh, he recommended a teacher in Charlotte who was uh, Tim Murray, and he taught me stairway to heaven that was my first wow that's
2: all a the, hard song oh dude through
4: the through the beginning he, wow. and he, he picked that song because it had a lot of elements it had all the finger-picking stuff it had bar chords and then he taught me the solo so right
2: off the bat right off the bat wow
4: and he would do like frank did he would he would press my fingers on the strings he would do all that and that's
2: why you were killer when you were young yeah holy <laughs> mackerel
4: <laughs> and uh and by the time you know by the time i finished that solo and and the song he, I always look forward to going to lessons to this guy. right? So, Because um, it
0: had to be fun. It was you know, fun, when you had dude. Like and he was fun. always was very, pra- you know, he was, oh,
4: man, you're doing good. You're doing, let's go to this part. Let's go to this part. So it helps with your confidence. Right. So, um, you know, by the time I learned the song, my favorite teacher says, oh, well, I'm going to uh, New York. I'm going to be moving to New York, but there's going to be another teacher teaching you, and he's going to be really good, and, you know, you're going to enjoy it, and, you know, it's going to be great. So the next teacher comes in and he wants to teach me like Mary had a little lamb type of stuff, and I'm just kind of disinterested in it. So I I would bring him Van Halen songs and he would be just flustered with it
2: and be like, oh well,
4: this is flashy, this is very flashy. I brought him Spirit of the Radio. Oh well, you need a wah wah pedal to do this. Finally started you know kind of learning on my own by by slowing tape down back in the day and. Uh, Moved on
0: from there. You, you would slow the tape down. Yeah, with the, w- yeah. My out.
4: dad had a little mini cassette player, and it had a, a a button that would slow it down to half speed. Oh. And I would record the off of another cassette player with that, slow it down on the mini cassette player, and learn the, just just really <laughs> slow notes, but learn how to play it. Yeah.
2: How'd you start playing guitar? I lived in kind of a hip downtown area. This was back when being living in downtown meant you lived in crappy rundown homes like it was everyone was moving to the suburbs in the early 80s. That was the trend. So all the homes kind of downtown were kind of where the poor people lived, which is where the ward residents uh, hailed from. <laughs> and I remember one day I was walking to the park. Uh, where me and my friends would kind of meet to play soccer or throw frisbee or whatever and I heard someone playing guitar really loud like from the sidewalk and I just wandered up to this house and the door was open and I kind of peeked in and I was just a 12 year old kid (laughs) <laughs> and i will never forget the this guy who looked like he was probably in uh, in like could have been in fog hat you know big mustache <laughs> super long hair long stoner respect. guy you know and and his name was boyd all i will never forget it (laughs) i I know man he had a wall of amplifiers and a bunch of guitars and i just it was the first time i mean i loved rock music i loved all you know I, i was listening to all the hard rock and heavy metal that i could consume based on what was on the radio and what my friends were into but I always thought that was, like, you could never do it. I finally saw somebody who was a regular guy. He went to work every day on a construction site, and he played guitar. And he sounded great, and it was loud. It was amazing. That was when it first kind of clicked that... Well, maybe I could play guitar, too, because if Boyd Albritton can play guitar (laughs) and he lives in my neighborhood, because I thought it it was only like it's like being an astronaut. Well, if you're going to be an astronaut, I'm going to have to move to Houston or something (laughs) like, you know, like go to the moon. So a friend of mine in the neighborhood and I went in together and we bought a guitar so we could share it. So we would get it on an alternate day. So I would get it what Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Like a child in a divorce. Correct. <laughs> um, because independently we couldn't afford a guitar. And then eventually my dad bought me a 1966 Fender Mustang from a pawn shop, which seems cool now, but back then in 1979 the 66 Mustang it looked like a um, it looked like a bow. The neck was so warped on it. <laughs> <laughs> but we would just do what everybody did that I knew, which was that you would listen to the records and you'd try to figure it out yeah, yeah, yeah. you just like and you'd have a circle of friends that we helped like a support group. Hey do you know how to play looks mm-hmm. that kill? Do you know how to play paranoid? and everyone would kind of share what they kind of learned and great, the great the great tie between Billy Gray and myself how we kind of knew each other there was a family called the Gill Brothers yeah. And the Gill brothers were amazing musicians. Yes. And... I was friends with the Gills, and so was Billy. But Billy and I didn't know each other, but we know, both knew the Gills. Now, the Gills could play Rush covers. They were badass. They were the illegitimate uh, sons or brothers
4: of Rush back yes, in the day. Yes, they were.
2: They were a three-piece family band. Family band. Bass, oh, bass, guitar, awesome. drums. Perfect. And they were badass. And I learned a lot from them. I would go over, and Kevin Gill was the guitar player. Yep. And I would learn from him. Then I learned from Sean Gilly, who we both yeah. knew. Sean Gilley was I would awesome. Awesome. Up to reliable music in Charlotte, which is where all More the crats. young musicians hung out, and try to get the guys who worked at the music store. You try to watch them and what yes. they learned. Um, and I took lessons like all of us talking, mm. but I don't know that any of that really helped that much, other than some basic fundamentals like you would if you went to well, yeah, coach it, baseball or something
0: until you're actually playing it. Like you know, none of us, you know, Paul McCartney on down, are really musicians that can read charts and stuff like that and that's one thing that always kind of like kind of is boring about guitar lessons which is why I think I went to tuba because I was bored just like playing Irish washerwoman all the time but um there was this, there was a high school or a junior high school battle of the bands and the band that played was called Elixir Frenzy which huh. is still you know that's it's still a cool, cool name man. for 1985 and I remember uh, the guitar player's name was Garth Kwasnitsa which I still don't know how to spell that. And I always tried because I just thought, like, what a cool name. And uh, and the other guy in the band, and I might be getting this wrong, but there was another great player called Rod Makovic, who I think now is like a classical guy, but he was like the Randy Rhodes. Both those guys are great. And one of their bands, I'll say it was Elixir Frenzy, they played Flying High Again, and they had candles like a candelabra on stage at the high school, junior high school talent show. And that's when I was like, oh my God, this tuba sucks. Like I wanna be, <laughs> yeah. I wanna I wanna be like Elixir Friends. Do you remember what Stars grade you would have been in, what year? Um It was just crossing over into grade eight, I believe. So seven is Eighty-three, So probably 1983. So Flying High Again was like the new Aussie record yeah. at the time because it was before
2: Park at the Moon came out. That's so crazy that you say that because that was one of my next big epiphanies as well was the high school battle of the bands. I was in seventh grade or maybe it was a talent show. I don't remember what it was. Something like that. Yes. Yeah. But the uh, there was a group of ninth graders in my junior high. I was in seventh and they played Jessie's Girl. And I just remember thinking, looking at the, these people yeah. who were not that much older than me. Right, like you said, the guys that you knew in a band? I was like, how is this... Po- they're playing
0: songs.
1: Right. they <laughs> you know. <And> solos. <laughs> With the each same other. Thing? Yeah. Dude,
0: who, who was your guy, Frank? Did you see any band in high school or anything that made you decide to want to start being in a band?
1: Well, I mean, no, I wanted to be in a band, you know, right? Like, the first time I saw Kiss on TV, I wanted to be right. in a band, you know? and But to actually... Um,
2: Find right the right yes yeah. right f- did it seem though to you so did it seem that like for me it seemed like it was impossible like yeah when i see kiss they're in a band it's like that's not i mean yeah, but you don't know them
0: right like that's just like for, for me like 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 to go to let's say i don't know dallas I don't know where Dallas is. I know nothing about Dallas. But once like, there was Calgary wrestling, I know
2: how to get to Calgary. Right. I can go there and be when a wrestler. you saw the junior high band, it clicked because right. you said, I can do this. I Did know you those have guys. that moment?
1: No, I I didn't really because I didn't have that kind of sense of impossibility. I, always, I was always like you know, where do I sign up? You know, is like, I thought it's entirely possible. And I actually thought it was like my destiny, you know? And, <laughs> and so you had one of those parents. who's like, <laughs> you could do anything you want. Jericho and I just got cigarette butts flicked <laughs> at yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I did. I was definitely, I was, I guess I probably got more encouragement, um, from, from my parents or my mom, but I, no, I just never had that sense. It was just like, yeah, as soon as I started playing drums, it just, it just batting, beating around on a snare drum i was like this is for me and i was never in a band in high school and this is going to sound really arrogant i don't mean it this way but i could never first of all i didn't go to a (laughs) a roll. i didn't really go to like a musician's high school you know so there weren't a lot of musicians that i knew of in high school you know i mean a lot of people liked music and everything but not a lot of people played and the only people who played weren't either very good or very serious about it. They just wanted to fool around, you know? And uh, and I was dead serious, man. It was like, I got to be famous by the time I'm 18. I'm serious about this. It's like, <laughs> I got to find guys who want to do this. And so I didn't actually, I wasn't actually in a band until I was out of high school. I, the, the first time I ever remember playing with another musician, though, there was a guy who lived not far down the street from me when I was probably about 12, maybe 11 or 12. And I'd been playing drums for like a year or a year and a half that I found out played guitar. and But he played kind of, you know, he played like a big hollow body, you know, and, and played kind of jangly guitar, you know, but I didn't care. It was like, can I jam with you, you know, and <laughs> he let me actually bring my drums over to his house and set up like in his living room or whatever, and we actually jammed. Jammed, And I think he played like the riff for a uh, uh, sweet home, Alabama or something, you know, and Frank went, and I just started going, you know, just going crap, I probably drove the poor guy nuts, you know, because I probably played entirely too fast and busy and everything but it was the first time I actually like made music you know like with another person but yeah like my first actual band that was like a guitar player a bass player and a singer or whatever wasn't until actually I was out out of high school I couldn't find anybody in high school that was worth playing with how about you, Billy? Did you see any bands when you were in high school that made junior I high? did.
4: Um, it was actually junior high school, and I was coming out of elementary school, going into junior high, and all my friends were older. They were already in the junior high school, and they had already told these guys. They were uh, Brian and Patrick Butler. They had a band <laughs> called U.S. Metal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> U.S. Yeah, that's Metal. Cool. You remember the name? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah.
4: and uh, so you know, going into junior high school, oh, there, you oh, you you play guitar too? You know, um, you we'll let you come over, and, we'll let you come over and check us out practicing. So I went over and saw them play, and they were playing Crazy Train and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And uh, you know, one thing led to another, and I played my uh, eighth grade talent show. We played. Uh, we were called Disciples of the Watch. And we had no vocalists. <laughs> That's pre Testament, yeah. too. <laughs> and we still, but we still get out there. We played. Um, looks that kill and ain't talking about love by van halen and like i said no singer but you know the <laughs> girls were screaming and it was you know my oh, first rock band and roll show no singer, show. Either, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No well, singer.
0: That, well that's how it started and i had that same thing i got a great story to tell you guys about no singer after but so so uh, as as we start to morph into a band so when i saw elixir frenzy out of nowhere my, my dad grew up with this guy called al ahoff and they were friends throughout Childhood, so we were always family friends. There's two brothers, Kevin Ahoff and Ryan Ahoff. And Kevin, one day, is like, you know, I play guitar. And I remember he had this red Stratocaster ripoff for like three years. He never got a new guitar, but he was one of those guys that, like, like you, Billy, at 13 or 14 years old, could play like Crazy Train, but didn't really want to play it. He was always he was a Maiden guy, Metallica and uh, he was into all these obscure metal bands. So I remember he came over one day, and I, my cousin was this guy called Ray Gilby, and he had an autograph from Paul Stanley. He married my cousin, it was in a frame. It said, to Ray, rock on Paul Stanley with a star. Wow. And I thought Ray Gilby—he's he's a kind of a short, fat, bald guy. If you're listening Ray, you know you are. But I just thought, <laughs> I thought Ray was the coolest guy and he had a Paul McCartney Hoffner ripoff, like Paul McCartney's violin bass with the strings were so long, they were hanging off the side. And I asked him if I could borrow it to start messing around and Kevin Ahoff came over I said, yeah, I play bass, so I play guitar. And so he taught me a song. And the first song I ever made music to with another musician, which coincidentally, I didn't even think about it, is a song by a band called Trouble, called Revelation, Life or Death. Which I think I might be the only person on the planet whose first song was a obscure Trouble song with five or six tempo changes, wow. which is why I'm so weird that way. And then the other song we played was Peter Gunn theme, but I still remember Trouble and no singer, bow 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 bow. Bow, bow, bow. that's the guitar now here's my part boom <laughs> boom, and then i'm supposed to go <laughs> and dude i listened to that
1: cassette about a 100 times that was the beginning of like the rock and roll of playing with somebody that that uh, that was one of the things when um we were talking before that was what made me think of this was like i wanted to ask everybody what was the first song you ever played as part of a band like you know even though your band didn't have a singer my first band didn't have a singer the first gig we did but still it was guitar bass and drums and we played songs so that was your we didn't have drums it's just it was the making music with another human being
0: Uh the first one was the guitar and bass only trouble revelation life or death and what was yours bill Disciples of the watch
1: no, but oh, what was the okay. first song you guys ever played like as a performance? Um uh, looks to s-
4: kill and uh, ain't talking about love as a
2: performance See, that uh, wasn't a performance for us That's just two guys in a basement. Oh, jamming. Okay, and okay. We rehearsed
4: those before we okay, did it gotcha. the, after How after, after school
2: read? every day I tried out for a band I knew a group of guys that I heard needed a guitar player and I tried out for the band and they said Yeah um we need a singer maybe can do you know the lyrics to these songs like i literally the first band ever tried out for on guitar i didn't get the job but they said i knew the lyrics to a few of these songs so i was the singer for a heavy metal band at a pool party my seventh grade year uh going into the eighth grade but it was a great moment of realization that did you have a name uh, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was. It's one of those things. It wasn't my band. It was, right, right. it was a group of dudes playing because it was a pool party. One of those pickup things. But um, I really started practicing at that point because I didn't get the gig. Mm. Y- you know, the first rejection yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. It was rough, and uh, so I really started practicing. And uh, yeah, but it was. I mean, I I sang really terribly. I'm sure all the classics, <laughs> Maiden Priest. Yeah. But
0: see that's the thing is that you started like Frank you said you didn't have this but once me and Ahoff started playing then you find out there's other guys in school that play. Yes. And you know some guys I remember there's a guy called Dale Martinuck he had like this wicked kit and I don't know if he plays or not still, but at the time he was the guy because he had like a double... He, kit. A he double, had like
1: the kit with the most drums yeah, on it. it was, no it, matter how good the but, kit was. But, no. <laughs> but the most drums of
0: the same brand. Oh, ah, and the same color. It wasn't the yeah, bastard No, it was yeah. a tick. He got like a Tama. One yellow
1: one, one red one,
0: one green one. Yeah, a double <laughs> kick drum uh, Tama set. Oh, man. And that was my first official band. It was called Fatal Accident. Which was spelled of course, A-X-E-D-E-N-T, course. A-X-E-D-E-N-T, accident. Accident. And people yeah. were like, is, is it fatal accident? No, it's fatal accident. <laughs> well, that's then why don't you do A-X-A-D-N-T? Then it's like fatal accident. <laughs> accident. <It's> accident. <laughs> accident. And then, of course, you would draw the logo with a big, you know, uh, uh, hangman's <laughs> axe.
2: <laughs> but you've always been that way, though. Yeah. It's always about connecting, like... Like wordplay and imagery and stuff, so that's carried on. And that was yeah. th- that was in '85 because I remember it's like Fatal Accent. This is it, Fatal. Did Fatal Accent ever gig? Did we you
0: ever played one gig at a party? and That might be my official first gig. G- okay, said. tell me the songs. But, but it was hold on, it was like uh, that movie, that thing you do. Where, have you ever seen that thing you do where they're, they're called the Wonders? Yeah. They're spelled O N E So we're that they thought we o-neaters. were fatal a- accident. It's an accident, it's an accident. So what I remember playing is two things. I remember we played Heavens on Fire, because I still know that on bass. Bum, 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 That's a hard one. Bum, bum. Yeah. And then the other one, I don't know why we were doing this, and I didn't know the song, but I tried to learn it, was uh, Before the Dawn by Judas Priest. Whoa. and we had this guy called David Birds singing and he choked there's i don't know five people at the party maybe <laughs> 10 it wasn't like a big movie party and then he was like before the dawn <laughs> and people were laughing so we we kicked him out of the band during the gig
1: during the, during gig. the gig
0: and they're like <laughs> that, who's going to That like, is oh. strong and so they're like Who, who's going to sing the last song in the set holy diver and i'm like i'll sing it meanwhile playing and singing has not nor ever will be my thing. So not only am I screwing up the bass line, which I hardly knew either. I didn't even know the lyrics to the song. So here's what I sang. Holy diver, you've been gone too long in the midnight sea. Why don't you climb up a tree? (laughs) (laughs) And that came back to haunt me for years on end. Holy diver, why don't you climb up a tree? (laughs) And so uh, that was Fatal Axe Dance first. And last gig ever. Wow. So my
2: first official (laughs) gig as a guitar player, I still have photographs of it. Um, We played a three-song set. The name of the band was White Clover because apparently that was the first name of Kansas when they changed their name, and the singer was obsessed with Kansas. That's uh, some
1: serious street cred. (laughs) Yes,
2: serious (laughs) street cred. We had all the chicks. Zero. Yeah. Um, Just like Kansas. (laughs) Yeah. We opened with Turn Up the Radio. Wow. Yes. I was... uh, of course in Great Rich Ward fashion I was the Rudolph Schenker of the band not gonna even try to touch that solo <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah didn't that guy like put on like a, a guitar manual or something yeah
2: I was like okay you're really good at playing chords stick to it <laughs> so we did turn up the radio I want you to want me and still loving you wow nice right, yeah a it was set a, list good here. set and for some bizarre reason my mom got me the fake leather tight pants you know to look rock and roll and I was trying to accept so i got my red soccer shin guards that were like slip on <laughs> socks that wore on the outside of them so i had these weird kind of red leggings that had a puffy front on the on them to protect nice. in case anyone tried to kick me while I was playing <laughs> nice yeah and i uh, one of the guys from the local kind of uh, shop class made me a guitar Cord that went to my amp that had chasing lights that would kind of go Whoa. because back then that's it's like yeah son. production value yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. killer yeah
0: Billy, you're first or is it you already talked about your first or? yeah the first one okay so was, is there, was there another one
4: oh yeah i can go on to the uh to the battle of the band's high school days okay there was a band called Animal Bag back home in, in Charlotte, which actually had a legit video on MTV. I they did really well. That, yeah. And uh, but but before they did that, the drummer and the guitarist and myself and a bass player had a band called Felons. And Fella um, Felon. Oh, Felons, okay. How are you doing, fella? Hey fella. <laughs> so we were uh, we were playing the battle of the bands at our high school, what Charlotte High School and mom was in the audience
2: everything. that must have been the year after i played it because my first gig was and you're i'm a year older than yeah. you my first gig ever was the battle of the bands west charlotte high school yeah. so i must have played the year before you did because yeah. then i moved to atlanta <laughs> Our illustrious singer,
4: um, while we were doing the gig, we played Stick It, and we played... Uh, Stick It!
2: Five, we played like, S- Great
0: White. We played Stick It and Fiddle Accident, yeah. too. <laughs> okay, so we did...
4: We played... We, we did two songs. We did Stick It and Piece of Your Action. We did Piece of Your Action first. <laughs> then when it when the time come, uh, came to play Stick It, the, the whole administration of the school sitting right there in the front row, well our singer decides to flip them all off oh my while God. we're playing Stick It. Oh, my mom's man. in the crowd. Her eyes are this big. After the show, <laughs> she's like, you know, y'all were good, but you really embarrassed me. And I was just like, oh... And, of course, we got disqualified, so that's my claim to fame, to <laughs> so, high
1: school battle of the
4: bands right there. You said,
1: Mom, you ain't seen nothing yet, Yeah, and then you
0: whipped your cock out. No. <laughs> it's so funny, Stick It, though, because I remember that was when David Byrd's Blue uh, uh, Before the Dawn. He already had nailed Stick It. And I remember it was fun for bass because it, it just goes gong, yeah. gong. It was cool to be a bass player back in those days because every yeah. inch of the song was just bomb, boom, bomb. Yeah. I'm on the road Ooh. and I'm rocking. That's
4: stick my favorite line. That's my favorite it. line of
0: the song. Yeah, man, I used to rock that. Set. So, um, okay, so as we move forward through through the fatal accident, so when I started uh, high school, a new group of guys were around that were singers and players. So me and Ahoff were like the the, the package deal, and then we met this guy called uh, 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 Warren Rumpel. Who, uh, Mr. Rumple. years later scotty and famously dissed when uh, we went to meet anthrax and uh deservedly so he said to scotty he goes i see that you have ton shaved in your chest uh is that no sorry i see have, i see you have not shaved in your chest is that ton backwards because you guys are so heavy and he goes that's the stupidest <laughs> that... <laughs> he goes, that's the stupidest thing i ever heard and yeah. walked away <laughs> i have a hoid um so he was a drummer Uh. And he had this whole group of guys from the other junior high school that we met up with. So the first band that was the big jam was called Primitive Means, which it was kind of more of a punkier type thing, which is actually a pretty cool name once again. So it was me and Ahoff. And me and Ev were pretty good. Like I would, Kevin would teach me how to play you know, all the Maiden, all the Metallica. We still didn't have a drummer, but I wasn't Steve Harris or Cliff Burton, but in my mind, I thought I was. Like, I could do it. So we were playing with a bunch of other guys, and they, they, uh, the gimmick of this band was you would try and write funny lyrics. So we had a song called, like, Chewy Man and a song called... Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Chewy Man. Uh, tipper Gory, I think it was. Oh, it was about awesome. a Zombie Tipper Gore. Um, and then the other one was Gay Nights. And they, a lot that's of these perfect. songs would have... Intros. So the intro for this was taking two cymbals and rubbing them together. So it goes, oh, sh- oh so gay had. What are you unleashing out of your sheath? <laughs> okay, and then oh and then that would start off the big thing, and it'd be like gay nights. <laughs> ding, ding 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 gay nights. And you would make it <laughs> and these are nights like K-N-I-G-H-T-S. Yeah, yeah. And you'd basically just make it up as you go on okay, Kev would start a riff, I would follow along, drums would come in, guys would shout out some lyrics. Years later, uh, I gave my cousin Chad uh, a copy of The Primitive Means and we went skiing in Panorama, uh, British Columbia. And my dad and I and uh, maybe my mom or whoever else was sitting in the hot tub and Chad goes upstairs to play some music out of the balcony uh, uh, ghetto blaster and decides to put on gay nights. Oh, okay. And the whole place is listening to this intro. Oh, Suge so had what is that coming out of your sheet? I'm like Chad, shut it off! Shut it off! He goes, I can't find it. Stop it! My dad's like, what off. is this? I'm like, it's our band. He goes, well, this is your band. This is disgusting. Turn it off. Well, wait, if you heard the song, you'd really know. So that was the, the end of primitive me. Oh my god.
1: Well, my Great. my first uh, my first gig, uh, the band didn't actually have a name or a singer. It was just me and two guitar players and a bass player uh my buddy clayton who i'm still friends with um was playing guitar this guy named um chris oh god he's gonna kill me B- chris briley was playing bass and oddly enough the other guitar player was this guy named rick shepherd who ended up working for dallas austin um he ended up being like an engineer for dallas austin so he got like he yeah. like you know actually like did, did who's some dallas really, austin he's a famous producer from atlanta yeah uh, He makes beats, man. Yeah, Yeah, he makes beats, man. He ended up in that in that world. I don't think he's still in it, but um, we ended up later. We ended up calling the band Split Image, which I thought was a cool name. (laughs) But uh, we with special guest Fatal Accident, Accident, and Primitive Means. So our first gig was at a party in the. in like the uh the off you know like in apartment complexes they have the clubhouse course. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. we we played that the club was my first gig too yeah, was we the played, clubhouse we played I did the some of those. Yeah. in an apartment complex and the first song of our set was Switch 625 by wow. Def Leppard because we had no singer. It was <laughs> an instrumental. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Uh, but then we went on to play United by Judas Priest and we played Living After Midnight and we played some song by this band called The Shoes, which I don't Interesting. remember. Interesting. Yeah.
0: I think they might have even opened for Van Halen at some point. That name sounds real familiar. They had
1: a, they had a couple of like you know, songs that made a little bit of radio. They were like the producers, you know, that band that, like, from Atlanta that yeah. had a few mm-hmm. okay. Just, just a know. quick
0: little segue, and you're talking about huh. the shoes, and yeah. you know, Van Halen always had really bad opening acts. Yes, and right. They, you know, the reason why, I think Rich knows this, when I had Randy Bachman on, uh-huh. he opened, BTO opened for Van Halen's 5150 tour. Because Sammy Hagar said, "I don't want anyone coming on stage and just thinking about David Lee Roth. I want you guys to go out there and play 30 minutes of your biggest hits." Mm-hmm. And literally, as soon as VTO finished, Van Halen started. And Randy said, "Like Sammy said, you know, you know why Van Halen never used opening good opening bands because they wanted to keep all the merch money." Oh, they always have because I saw yeah. them with the velcros, and there was the shoes and all these other things. I saw so, them with Kazagoo. Wow. <laughs> come well, yeah, I mean, come yeah. on, right? Yeah. So, 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 Rich, who was your uh, like your main high
2: school band? Did you have one? No, I didn't. And the reason was is that it was hard to like. My parents moved, and so I lost my entire group of Charlotte friends that moved to Atlanta. But we lived in the suburbs, and then I found a group of guys to play with and they had a band called the Level Creek band because the name of the street was Level Creek. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and they were a bunch of southern rock guys and they were all great. They could play all this like the Hat Molly Hatchet, they could play this, you know, they were really good. And and I learned from them and then I met another group of guys at the school who were into Duran Duran, Scott Banks and some other players that I Mark Dixon and I started playing with these guys and we were playing that was the first time that I started actually gigging, kind of regularly playing high school dances. Because back then, if the real way to gig was playing high school dances, yeah. um, and and they were a big thing. This is pre DJs.
1: Yeah, all dipoms, all our dances,
2: homecomings were all bands.
1: Yeah, all our all our high school dances were were bands. They weren't DJs or anything, and. We actually... Have you guys ever had a band play your high school dance that actually went on to have some notoriety? Zebra, right? Zebra played one of our high school dances. I remember, like because that's such an unusual name going to see this you know, high school dance and seeing this band called Zebra and they were three piece and they were really they were great and then of course like you know a few years later they're on the radio got with a couple, couple of, hits that they yeah. still play on uh, yeah, they Boneyard were, they were great whatever, but yeah. that was the best training for me is
2: to learn how to play Brian Adams and Def Leppard and Duran Duran yeah. and Howard Jones like learning all of these different rhythm techniques and learning how to really play rhythm guitar because a lot of guys were coming up and they were just learning to be you know Warren D Martini, or you know like they were learning the shred stuff that wasn't gonna happen where I live because I couldn't play bars when Billy and I were coming up you had to be 21 years old to be even play in a bar yeah so your only options if you were gonna gig was to play was to play dances dances and and that was meant to be in a variety band and my best gig ever was I was playing the uh, homecoming dance at my own high school, which was amazing because it's like I get to be the hero. And the guy who brought in the PA system had his brand new wireless. I was like, oh, my God, you have a wireless system. Whoa. So like I've never I mean, this is yeah. it gets big dollars for a high school kid. He goes, you want to use it? I was like, yes. Yes. So I had the wireless system on, and I went into the crowd when we were playing Brian Adams' "Heaven," and I grabbed a girl to do a little slow dance while I'm playing the song, and the wireless went out and at a hundred decibels. <clears throat> And it's through the whole PA, all it was that like super loud that sound when your whole system goes out while everyone's slow dancing and you get the
3: What's going
1: on? Yeah. Some things never change.
0: Yes, ever. Billy, who was your uh, did you have a main high school band?
4: Well, that was the uh that was the felon oh the felon felon okay. things and then Fella. Um, so, yeah, Fellows. <laughs> and after that it kinda went to um it went to the illustrious Sleaze Patrol, which <laughs> myself and Possum from Revolver played yeah. in, and we Shout we went to, to playing uh, we went to playing some good club shows. We played. Uh, you Still in
0: high school at the time. Yeah,
4: yeah, wow. we played. Uh, we played Pterodactyl Club. We opened up for all this this band called New York back in the day, and um, they were pretty big. I remember back in the day, you know, a, a circuit band. Yeah. And uh, we would headline this place in Rock Hill on Cherry Road. Cherry Road,
1: Skate, we skating, we all know rink. about Cherry Road.
4: We would put five hundred people in Jeez. there playing cover tunes from Metallica, Motley Crue, Van Halen, Poison, and and you know, things kind of went from there. And I, and now I moved to LA with with Possum as well. You after know what's that.
0: it's so funny. Like you guys were so much bigger than our band. Like I thought, like so, our, my big high school band was Scimitar. Yeah, and it was me, Kevin Ahoff, and Warren Rumple. There's three names for you. <laughs> Irvin, Aoff and Rumpel. Power trio. Which I actually wanted to <laughs> I wanted to call the name of the band AIR AIR and Rumpel. That would have been perfect. was cool. Yeah. But it was an anthrax song and but the guys wanted to do a scimitar, which of course the T was shaped like a scimitar, like Sinbad's yeah, oh curved yeah. sword. As you do. As, <laughs> As you do, because
1: the logo is the most important thing when you course. start a band, right? Not to mention people who said, Why you call yourselves air? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> so, going
0: back to what you said, I remember one time. So, Warren decided he was going to play drums, and Warren was a lot like Lars Ulrich. He played by sheer will and determination with early Lars. Lars now is amazing, but no drumming skills whatsoever. He wanted to be- play drums, he had a drum set, and he had a a house that we could jam in after school and so he had this really shitty drum set so we went downtown one day uh, on the bus to pick up a nut because he found a drum set at a pawn shop, oh, and it was once again it was a Frankenstein drum set. So we had three bass drums, <laughs> with like, and they're all different beats of. And imagine two morons carrying like five drums, eight cymbals t- on the bus. There's people <laughs> oh, trying to get on the bus. We're trying to get off. I said, "Don't leave without us." Like, and so we, we he, he passed. <laughs> this. You put all your equipment on the city bus. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, we had to get downtown. <laughs> oh, so we bought God. the po- bus pawn shop. So we set up in his garage, and the first song. we we knew because Ahoff I'll get to this later but Ahoff was very OCD he refused to play it unless it was perfect Hmm. now how do you learn unless you go through it a bit but the first one that we really knew well was You Really Got Me with no singer at the time so we used to jam in the garage with the door up in the summertime uh, as the kids were walking home from school and there's these two hot chicks that live down the street from Warren they're called Carla McNaca and Lorraine Foster and so every time they were walking home, we'd start, get my ass, banana, mouth And, dude, we had long cloaks that we bought at, like, uh, Salvation Army. Like, you know, the, the look. Like, kind of yeah, the, cloaks. for the rehearsal? Po- yeah. yeah. Kind of poison, but also Maiden was kind of doing that stuff. wizard sleeves. Yeah, I had a big red one. It was called the Simicote.
2: Oh, my God. Banana,
0: Yeah. So we do this every day. And finally, after about a month of this, they walked by and the one chick said, don't you know any more songs? (laughs) And the other one, doesn't anybody sing? This sucks or something like that. So they walked by and they were like, well, I guess we should try something different. And that's when we started. Actually, we did the we, we learned more originals. We were always writing original stuff. And that's kind of what our thing was which is probably why we never played any real shows or anything like that yeah
1: well back then being an original band it was virtually impossible
0: well and it was just for us <laughs> trying to learn and get better we knew how to play you know we do we knew most of the maiden catalog up to somewhere in time most of the metallica up until master puppets because a could teach us that stuff and warren was out in left field but at least we kind of knew it but
2: what was the first original song that you ever wrote yeah i don't really know i have tons of cassettes of first ideas, but nothing ever became anything until Stuck Mojo when we first started. It was first real band. I had, you know, when you, when you first start off and you've got a band and you go in the studio and record it. But I, again, a lot of that stuff, uh, I, I don't have strong memories of it. Yeah. It didn't mean anything like, like I, I love your stories. Cause that those bands meant stuff to you. I, I, I always felt like you know and I think part of the best thing that I always did was I always surrounded myself with musicians that were way better than me, so I was kind of learning from them. They were yeah. a few years older, but they were also driving the car. So we'd go to the studio, I'd play some guitar stuff, but I wasn't the boss of the band like you were. Like you had groups that you were like, there's three guys, yes, for the whole high school, yeah, our whole high school experience. And we were going to make
0: it, I used to draw comics of of all the band members and all the adventures we would have. And then,
1: <laughs> yeah. Did you ever make yeah. the
0: did you ever make the laminates, the backstage passes? I no, but I had comics. I got reams of comics. Oh, okay. But the one thing is that we got in an argument one time and uh I got kicked out of the band. And I was like, I'll start my other band. So my new band was called Dangerous Curve, spelled C I R V, because my last name is Irvin. Yeah. Wow. Dangerous Curve, and I was like, I had a logo, I had an album cover, I didn't have a band. <laughs> yeah. So after about two lunch hours of not jamming, I went back there and they took me back into the band. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I,
4: I, do you remember the first song you ever wrote? Billy? I do. Uh, it was with Sleaze Patrol uh, back in that. Well, I mean, as far as like a chorus with lyrics and yeah. and, and a riff, it was called Shadows in the Night. Whoa. <laughs> Yes, it was. (laughs) Shadows in the night, take a look around you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was a big hit. (laughs) We had a blizzard in 1986, the famous uh, 86 blizzard in in Winnipeg, which I'm not going to tell you how much snow, but it was something like 10 feet of snow. It was ridiculous. So everybody was shut in. So he said, Tomorrow I'll walk over to Warren's house. It took about half an hour in the snow, but write some songs tonight. And we're gonna do a record tomorrow. So the night before, I was I was possessed. I wrote three really good songs, quote unquote. One was called Sour Grapes, one was called Baby Psycho, one was called Weenie Roast, which is about a cannibal that would make wieners out of human flesh, right? And I still remember uh sour grapes. Here's those like da <singing> Da Sour grapes. That's exactly it. <laughs> hey, sour grapes. Sour Sour grapes. And then it goes, sour grapes, rotten cream, overripe bananas. It's all for me. And it was about a guy that liked eating rotten food. It's all I could think of, but the riff was cool. Shocking this never went anywhere. The chorus was, sour grapes. I really love them, sour grapes. Can't get enough of them. Rotten cream. And then Baby Psycho's, Baby Psycho. Now he's got you. Baby oh psycho, God. yeah yeah yeah, gonna kill you, ha ha ha, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Screams from baby's room, yeah yeah yeah. Now he's got you, nah,
2: nah, 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 nah. That is amazing. You remember that? I can't remember Fozzie songs in Soundcheck. You're like, no, Rich, you wrote this song six years ago. We've played it a hundred times. Like, I, I'm like, I I like, I just, uh, I don't I don't know.
0: But like you said, because maybe because I was so into it, and I must have listened to those. Songs slash records because you'd put ten songs on a recording that would be your new yeah. record. Oh yeah, oh you, right. you know cassettes that you'd listen to. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes, well, we would yeah. we, we would make the song very quickly. And then put it onto a cassette, mm-hmm. and we'd have an album. And I would, similar to now, I would put together the track listing and figure out, oh, this it needs to be the opener, and this is the closer, and this is what we're going to do. I was we way should... too
2: self-loathing
1: to listen to <laughs> any of my own material. I was like, God, we suck. We need to work up Sour Grapes for a sound check. Dude, it's really easy. I can show it to you. I can we'll show get it Jack, to you. We'll get Jack Slade to sling it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> sour but that's grapes. the
0: thing was like, you know, like, like you said, the, the, there was there was nobody uh, to, to really filter this, and I think if you did actually re- practice and rehearse it, would probably be really good. And that was Aoff's thing. He's like, nobody can ever hear this; it's not good enough. And I was like, dude, it's wicked! It's awesome! Like, who would not want to hear this music? A-off. Sour grapes? That's A-off. a hit. Yeah,
2: Aoff is me. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I If you play that for anyone, I will break that cassette. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So how about you mentioned battle of the band's experiences? Did you have you mentioned yours, Billy, with the finger up? Did you ever have one, Rich, a battle of the band's experience? Yeah, that was
2: the one that I was uh, I was telling oh, you went to yeah, with, yeah. The, with the, the girl. Yeah, yeah with the, the well, the one that I played at West Charlotte High School. The funny thing is, Frank and I took similar paths in that. We we tried playing covers in, uh, and we we had these bands, but but ultimately the, our first kind of realization as musicians came from our first band, and I will tell you, Frank's was I met Frank after I had uh, been play- I had moved to Atlanta and I was looking for musicians to kind of network with, and Frank was in a band called Lethal Promise. And I heard about Lethal Promise because in the little Atlanta scene, there were four or five bands that everyone kind of knew. There was Ouija. There was Lethal we- Promise. Like Ouija Board? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then there was uh, Mark Willis's, who is Fozzie's manager, had a wow. band. Masada. Masada. Yes. So there was a handful of- Masada? Yes. Yeah. They were. Uh, they had a song called Long Hair, No Underwear. <laughs> <laughs> they also had a song called I Got Crabs, But I Ain't Been Fishing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, yeah, so I met Frank, and Frank had Charlie Bonante hair, mm-hmm. and like the serious bangs right across the, the, the super poofy, super, guy super guy Charlie, Charlie Bonante
1: meets Eric Carr, yeah, you, you know,
2: yes. Afro, yeah, and yeah. his band was really cool. Their singer, uh, they had this kind of Queens alternative metal kind of vibe to them. Singer had a super high range. Uh, and they had uh, a guy who was kind of alternative guitar, heavy metal guitar hero, uh, who is now his brother in law, Chris Staros. Yeah. And then he had another guitar player who look a little bit kind of like uh, John Sykes, uh-huh. Paul Larson. And I love this band, and I I asked them, could I guitar tech for you? And that's kind of how Frank and I became friends. Is that I was guitar teching for Frank's band while mm-hmm. I tried to find a group of my own musicians to start
1: at at Margaritaville. Remember, of course, Margaritaville, yeah. Atlanta, Georgia. This horrible, horrible. Now did you guys? Club. You
2: guys played some covers, right? Was no, it,
1: we never played any, any covers. covers. from remember, the beginning because yeah. most all original bands, original. bands original. in
2: Atlanta had to have a set of covers sure. to knock just the, just the door. Yeah, yeah. yeah this was, 80, it was 1986
1: you know i mean you couldn't Could, you couldn't yeah. be an original band i remember when i got together with these guys for the first time uh chris staros uh he was the guitar player and he was kind of like the leader de facto leader of the band and he was like uh, i started asking well what kind of songs are we going to play and and he was like well i've got a bunch of songs and he was talking about like songs that he'd written i was like well what cover i mean like what rat songs are we going to do what yeah. judas priest songs are we gonna do? he's like we're not doing any covers and i was like No. What do you mean? We can't do that. And at first I didn't like it because I loved playing all my favorite songs, you know, and he was like, no, we're not. I'm not wasting time playing covers. We're playing all our own stuff. And that's what we did from the beginning. And it was hard to get gigs, you know, doing that because everybody wanted covers. In fact, we got booked at this club. Where they didn't know we were an original band, (laughs) they booked us for like a a week of playing, like you know, one night stands for like a week in this club. And the guy said, "Well, how do you want me to advertise this on the on the little thing outside? You know, the yeah, the marquee outside." And Chris said, "Yeah, Uh, so and so presents all original rock music with lethal (laughs) promise." And the guy's face just went like, "Y'all don't play any covers."
2: (laughs) (laughs) The Frank's band had. Of course, the, they had their, like Iron Maid, like every band, they had a song, Lethal Promise, which yeah, was course. the closer. It was it was great. <laughs> but my favorite song... Lethal... These can be found on YouTube, by the wow. way. Yes, my favorite song by Frank's uh, Lethal Promise outfit was Titties and Death. Jeez, which geez, is t- song... just, Damn. just Tits and Death. Oh, Tits oh, and sorry, Death, sorry, sorry yes. yes. That was the title, yeah, tits. Sorry. Yeah. I don't believe that one's it, on
0: YouTube. It doesn't make our epic song, uh, why'd, why'd You Kill Grandpappy, seem like such a bad song
2: title. <laughs> well, Tits and Death was... Co- was clever because the whole idea was it was the reason why young dudes went to go see horror movies was for tits and deaths yeah and it was a heavy
1: song it was pretty heavy yeah yeah. and
0: and that's what Why'd you kill Grandpappy? Was a song about that, about a murderer that killed grandfather. But it was nine minutes long. What would we do? <laughs> <laughs> This is great, though. Don't forget who we were playing, who we were, who our heroes were. This Maiden, was
1: Scimitar, Maiden, after all. and
0: Metallica. Yeah, so what yeah. we did? It's very much what Lars and James do now. We re- record a part. Stop the cassette, rehearse the next part because there was lots of tempo changes, record that, stop the cassette, so it'd be like the So but we had that. So yeah, just to say too, so there was like other rival bands in, in, in the Winnipeg area. It was called St. James, where we lived. And we used to hang out at 7-Eleven. There was a 7-Eleven and a McDonald's. That's where everybody hung out. All the rockers, wintertime, summertime, whatever. And there was one band that, like like I said, we played no gigs because AF wouldn't let us. (laughs) But we thought we were a pretty hot shit band. And there was another band that we hated called Seventh Heaven. They were from the rival high school, John Taylor, and uh, we had a seventh heaven. They played like they played gigs like at clubs, like you guys did, but they played like separate ways, and they were really good. And I hated the drummer; he just pissed me off. He'd always be hanging around with this super cool long hair, always tight jeans, and like (laughs) I hate this guy. And the guy's name was Brent Fitz. Oh, uh, yeah. He is now Slash's drummer After drumming for Alice Cooper And freaking Gene Simmons now I'm going to tell him you said that He knows it <laughs> I told him first time I saw him I said dude I used to hate, I hate you. You. He he goes, you I never hated you I thought you were cool I hated you And it was because <laughs> Warren hit him Look at Fitz asshole Fitz Look at this guy Fitz Stupid Sam Squatch. He was so mad Because Fitz had a better kit And the yeah. rival drummers right
2: Three random kick drum <laughs> Yeah it was
0: so bad So Billy, when, when you first, uh, um, how old were you when you first moved to LA? I was seventeen. Gosh, so you're still high school age. Yeah. Did you graduate? No, I didn't. So I you got dropped a, out. You yeah, proverbial a musician. GED,
4: yeah, and and uh, John or Possum had already moved out there, and he had a band. They were called Forced Entry. The guitar player quit. All right. <laughs> so he had uh, he had already they had already played a few gigs out there and. Uh, the guitar player quit, so he calls my mom up one day and I wasn't doing good in school and you know, this and that and the other and she's like, Well, John called the other day and talked to me. Would you want to move out to LA? I was like, Your mom yeah. asked you? Oh yeah. I was, I was like, hey,
2: cool. are you kidding? <laughs> Hell yeah, Mom yeah, My mom would have erased that from the answer oh. machine. <laughs> mom was like, she, yeah. Mom was like, You, you I would have do never it? You that go give it a
4: shot, God bless mom, you know? Let's yeah, go, go for her good. She did and um so I moved out there. We played all the clubs. Did, on she, the did you have money, or like, what did you get did she she helped, give us some well, money to go yeah, out there? Yeah, they helped. My family helped me out. Then I got a job as a telemarketer out there, <laughs> six a.m. to twelve twenty p.m. every what, day. What's your job? Just getting on the phone, getting the per- getting the sale going. Then what's, you would get the closer to close the deal. What were you selling selling office supplies? <laughs>
1: So, i I'm going to call you Dwight. The Shirt
4: first person now on. The, the first company I called when I got there was Mom's company <laughs> I had to sell them
0: office supplies.
4: <laughs> okay, so
0: so pretend you're the phone rings. Hello.
4: Hey, this is Billy from such and such uh uh who do I speak to you who do I, who do I speak to about your office supply purchases? Uh that would be me. I'm in charge. Okay. Um well, let me tell you what I got going on here. I read off a script, you know. <laughs> Then I would get to the point where, oh, okay. Well, let me let me introduce you to Sam. He's my cl- he's my boss, and he's going to close out the deal here for you. <laughs> and
2: wow! Then it, that guy so would come strong. in and throw strong. it down. Yeah, yeah that's it go from there. Hey, And just the seven degrees of Ward and Gray. <laughs> so Billy's mom worked for an insurance company. That he sold office supplies to, and then the office next door was my dad's travel agency. Yes, it agency. was. My New mom Horizons knew his he- travel. My mom wow. knew they your knew dad. knew each other. Well, yes, wow. they did. That's great, man. And I hated Billy Gray like, Damn you it, hated Vince. Prince Fence. <laughs> 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 I was like... What do you mean he could play fine high against solo? <laughs> that asshole. What the like, <laughs> Was he abducted by an alien? What, what happened? Like I'm still trying to it's, like yeah. play I'm still trying to play Looks and Kill. <laughs> Damn you.
0: That, that was a big hit for us by the way. Uh, when we got our Maiden and Priest covers and we did play or Maiden Metallica covers. When we played parties, the ones that we did play, you had to whip out the talk dirty to me. Because at least nah, then the chicks God, would like, da, da, da. That We did, too. Nah, 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 Sleaze Patrol nah, nah, played it. Nah, 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 it's such a... Bad song, Never liked it. Chicks loved it. Yeah, they so did. Did
4: Sleaze Patrol become Lickety Split? No, that was way before none of the same members. Oh, okay. None All of right. the same They became the originals.
2: Yeah. Because <laughs> hey, Billy's had several bands that I knew of. Like, yeah. he had popular bands mm-hmm. in Charlotte that did well. Because the, you, then after forced entry. <laughs> yeah. I, I moved. John moved, quit. Right. And you moved back. Back right? home, yeah. And then you started Lickety Split then? Yes. Okay. I jumped right into that.
4: Yep. And, and then he had uh, a band
2: called Method Fifty One that which was just popular. That's
4: band. what led me to you guys. Yeah. I fronted that as a uh, as a singer. It was a rap core band. And I fronted and played guitar for them. It was a trio. We had a, we had an imprint deal. Yeah, three piece. We had an imprint deal with Atlantic, had a record out. And, uh, which ironically had a song called to be the man. You got to beat the man. <laughs> remember I played you that video, you did, right, which man. has in the loop in the middle of the song, the lion heart, Chris Jericho is about to be, you know, <laughs> that's yeah. right. Yeah. You remember that? So, and that led me I to do, opening for stuck mojo.
0: And that's why I'm
1: here today. Yeah.
0: So I'm going to go back and like I said, cause I had this, this high school band where we actually, you know, were together for a while. So our, our first and only battle of the bands, it was at a teenage nightclub. And I've been trying to think of the name the whole time. It began with an S it wasn't, Sidewinders or splitters, or it was something called like I don't remember what it was, but you had to audition. To get this
2: shenanigans sh-
0: sh- <laughs> might as well be but it was a teenage
2: <laughs> nightclub Wasn't that the cool thing about the 80s were teen clubs yeah I we used play them all the time and the idea dude. For that
0: was, was you could go there and dance and hang out there's no alcohol but it'd be It's like a, like a youth your group. parents could drop you off yes. they
2: knew that you would you know basically within the confines right. of this yeah. the
0: boys and girls club minor, kind of a cooler version so yes. it was all the way over the other side of town for us and we had to audition so we we, we sent in a tape of an original song which was City Nights which yeah. took Started with a drum, bass. Guitar solo, like something out of is something out of Eat Him and Smile, because it was like 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 way to get a hit. Yeah, like down a down I'm sure you made a lot of
1: friends on the dance floor with that. We did.
0: So we auditioned and made it. You had to play one cover and one original. So we did City Nights and the cover. Once again, to appeal to the teenage nightclub, big city nights. Well, the piece sells, but who's buying? Oh, okay. As you do. (laughs) Oh my God! You
2: needed a manager.
0: (laughs) So we. Showed up and dude, I was all out. I glued, I, I smashed a mirror and I glued mirror onto gauntlets, Whoa. which were made out of socks that I cut the, the ends <laughs> off. So a gauntlet is like a big long sleeve with, uh, with. Uh, sorry, the mirrors are glued to my jeans, oh, which made man. me have droopy drawers because they were too heavy. <laughs> and I, I, I had a cut off super tight white shirt and I drew a question mark on it. Ooh, Cause why? Mysterious. Why? Yeah, mysterious.
2: So we, we gender started... neutral. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so we started playing it. We open with with b cells, and of course that's me, dude. I'm the bass player. Bring yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Uh-uh. My freaking cord came unplugged because I stepped on it when I was rocking, and the cord came out of the bass and fell on the ground. Oh god! So it goes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> None of us know what to do. So we stop. Okay. Oh, I plug in. We start again. One, two, two three, three, four. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what else can you do? And we never knew about having like to you keep your kick drum in position by putting like a brick in front of it or something. So it was creeping. It was creeping. Ah. Warren was trying to play. And he's, he's like, like holy, holy shit. I can't play. I can't read. <laughs> so we stumble and bumble through. And lo and behold, we won. You- we won the first round and I will never forget how exciting it was because there was one girl her name was Carolyn Moraz. and when when the local paper came out that Scimitar was playing at Name of Club in the Battle of the Man she cut the picture out and put it in her locker
2: Wow! It was our first wow. rock and roll fan. You you won against the guy's band with the one glass <laughs> eye, <laughs> and so then the
0: next week we went back and we got destroyed by this band called the Fourth Floor, and they did some wicked kind of cool, like a Toto type song, and they did uh, "Back in the USSR," and they murdered us. And that was it we were done and I remember just the thrill of victory and the agony of the- <laughs> they played yeah, songs yeah.
2: people like
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They played. It was, yeah. it was like don't stop believing or something yeah. like
2: that you know it's and your it was- first lesson you should have played the Beatles you knew better <laughs> yeah, yeah, they
0: yeah, were they you your favorite better. band but I just and then the and the caveat of this was they showed it on this uh, on this show uh, um, it was on every Friday night and it was called Bundy's late night adventure Ooh. and Bundy was like the host and he would do different stuff and it, it was on we were on for like two minutes and we recorded it and so every guy in the band got to keep it for like a week right and I was the first guy because I was you know I was the bass player and I probably whatever cried about it till I got it so <laughs> I watched it one time and uh, I go downstairs to watch it again and and uh, I'm looking to watch and it's like a love boat that my mom had taped and I was like, "Oh, okay, Mom, where's the tape of, uh, of Scimitar? She goes, what do you mean? She goes, where's the Scimitar tape? She goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, N- okay, hold on a second. <laughs> Please don't say that you, she goes, the love boat was on. And I recorded what the tape was "Ah, <laughs> Mom, you are you? The love boat. <laughs> and she's like, why didn't you label? Why do not you remember the VHS tapes? You could click the back the yes. little yes, so tab for, yeah. and I never thought about writing scimitar on it I never thought about clicking the tab out of it and my mom recorded over scimitar oh. with Love Boat and imagine me having to tell Ahoff and Rumpel that oh. the because remember what those days you couldn't go back and watch no, it again. No. It was never on again. That's
1: it. that's it. That was done.
0: I even called Bundy's late night adventure. The studio said, Do you guys have the tape of the show? They're like, tape of the show, we record over it right away with Love Boat or whatever's on it. Oh. <laughs> Fantasy Island. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so that was it,
0: man. And that was kind of the end. After that, we we, we, we couldn't continue on under those circumstances, and that was pretty no, much. No, once
2: it. the tape was erased with Love Boat, it was a sign. It yeah, was
0: done. Yeah. And even my dad, even he, even for a high school graduation gift, he bought a studio time, and AOF just wasn't interested. Because what are we going to record, you know? And I was like, "Well, can't we record something?" He's like, "No, we're done.
2: The tapes recorded Dang. over. We're finished." Oh, now, fast forward. Now, as a dad, have you ever done something like that? like accidentally erased over a dance recital or it's, it's different
0: now though because everything is recorded on like a phone or so. It's, right. it's, it's everything's it's, it's, so it's archived out there. yeah you. that's like,
2: a great point
0: you yeah. know now you would if it was on TV you would just DVR it and if you erased it I mean you know somebody else would have DVR'd it or you can find it or they replay it or something you know YouTube yeah, yeah YouTube somebody would have found it you know what it's I mean so, that's so true how it was yeah back these days, days
1: everything everything's out there now I mean there's so many things that are just gone yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, there were yeah. so
2: many moments of my career, even like, like into, you know, making records that things had just gone into the ether, you mm, know, yeah. pre YouTube. And you've got yeah. a video cassette of it, but I don't know where that video cassette or did it get a did label it. Just, exactly. exactly. Right. Uh,
1: there was a cassette of that first gig that I did um, with that band with no name where we, you know. Uh, played that party that I was talking about and for the longest time I had that cassette It sounded horrible because it was recorded with one of those, you know, the classic yeah. cassette player, you know, with the buttons. Yeah. yeah, record, play. Yeah, record, play, rewind. And I had it for the longest time. And I actually did a drum solo on that uh, on that recording. And it's the one time. In the entire set that we play, we played probably six songs, but it was the one time you hear people cheer over the music, you know, like <laughs> because, um, you know, it's like we, we would play a song and we'd end and people would clap and it was cool, you know, and people would, and you'd hear the talking, you know, of people in the background. Then we play another song and I did a drum solo and went right from the drum solo into the beat that opens. Uh, living After Midnight. And as soon as we hit the first chorus, bah, da, 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 you hear the audience roar like <laughs> over the music. And it's the one time that happened. And it's like I'd give anything to have that take. to the end. We had this I just always remember there was this guy in the background who was a friend of mine from high school, this real redneck dude. In between every song, he would be like, Y'all play some Ted Nugent. <laughs> <laughs> and like before the last song, you know, he's like, you know, everybody clapping, cheering, Yeah, yeah, play some Ted Nugent. Y'all play some Dead Nudes? And before the last song, you hear him go, Hey, s- seriously, play some Dead news." <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, just, just as we wind
0: down here, a couple last thoughts. So, so we mentioned City Nights. We actually had a video for City Nights that we recorded. And then we recorded a video for another song called Stranded which I, I I based on a Stephen King uh, short article called...
2: concept videos. Yes. Oh, oh my God. But it, had,
0: it had nothing to do with one of the... So stranded was based on survivor type, which is about a guy who's stranded on an island and ends up eating himself. <laughs> wow. So that's what I was writing about. Hey, you know why? Because anthrax wrote about Stephen King. I should write about Stephen King too. And that started with a bass solo. Uh, And so the opening concept was Scimitar walking through the schoolyard and being accosted by a gang of toughs. And they're like, who are you? We're scimitar. And we're we're
1: super <laughs> tough. And these guys are, who are you? Who we're are scimitar. you? Were they were they from Asia or something? <laughs> it's like it's like it's like, it's like <laughs>
0: Scimitar sucks, man. Yeah, you suck. The bass sucks, the guitar sucks, and the drums suck. And we think Scimitar sucks. And then we go. Scimitar! Like,
2: Voivod!
0: <laughs> and then we attack, and there's a big gang fight, and we beat the hell out of the whole gang. Boy, and you then guys we, were ambitious. And then we just keep and it. then we just keep walking. No, wait a second. It was just for City Knights. We were playing Stranded as we were walking on the Ghetto Blaster. We beat up the villains. Then we went to play Scimitar, uh, Stranded, and then we went into the City Knights video.
2: How did you edit it all together?
0: Um we had a guy who could edit with a with a, a cord from the VHS camera, which was very big. Yeah. It was of course, like a statue yes, camera. Sure. But if you plugged it into he was kind of a like a real techie type of guy. He wasn't in the band and he could figure out how to edit. Now every edit, much like the why do you kill grandpappy, it had like a little so you like in every edit during the video do you have that tape I think I have it
2: because to me that's one of those that would be the thing that I would love to have is like (laughs) capturing the youthful like me at that moment in life of just saying you know look at us as kids and our imagination and Because you didn't
0: know, like like I said, here we are sitting in Berlin, we had a a jam-packed show last night, we played to, I don't know, 10,000 people the night before at Valken, mm -hmm. and it all starts for all of us just like this, whether you're in, you know, whether you're Paul McCartney or Lars Mm -hmm. Ulrich or, you know, a guy who's just starting right now, a kid just starting in the basement, and that's kind of the one sad thing that, that is, I don't, like, my son's friend is in a band, his name is Julian. I took him and, and ash to see kiss and I said to Paul Stanley We went I said tell him what you play. He and I just learned how to play creatures of the night He goes well, maybe you could teach me how to play it <laughs> And he was just so excited and I was like ash go sing for his band. You can sing That's uh, not my style It's not my style, but I, I'm wondering if there's like is there kids still getting together and playing in bands? Or is it yeah. more just the video game
1: culture or- they are it's not as it's not I don't think it's you know It isn't what it used to be, but there's still Kids out there putting bands together.
2: Yeah, I actually have read that guitar sales are way down. That's right. Kirk, Kirk, did
0: you hear Kirk Hammett said about yes. that? Yeah.
2: Gibson, Fender, all these big companies are really suffering because kids are just not playing instruments. At yeah, all. maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, and uh, it's you know, uh, of course, you know they've shifted their attention to other things, tech and and like you said, video, video games, games and stuff, and and maybe you know, maybe in you know 50 years there won't be bands with guitars and bass and drums maybe everything will be program based yeah it would be sad if that was the case i mean you think about 100 years ago you would never have a symphony orchestra that it could ever think about being replaced by synthesizers and sure or like kirk said like you know a
0: mandolin or a lute used to be like the forefathers of all instruments they don't even exist anymore yeah it's an interesting point but at the same time though if you think about it like one of the biggest
4: up-and-coming bands is greta van fleet that's right Right. And they've gone back to that straight Street.
1: roots. Yeah. So and like, hopefully, v- vinyl sales have increased, you know. Yes I, th- yes. I think, I think, hopefully, I mean, this may be me being naive, you know, or Pollyanna, but I'm, I'm hoping wow, that, good word. yeah. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, there'll be a little bit more of a resurgence of kids, you know, who like might experience, you know, like, there'll, there'll be kids growing up who've come up who haven't ever seen a live band play, like in person. Right. And the first time they see it, go, Wow, that's really cool. Well, you, you can, can do that, that quite often at Fozzy shows.
0: Someone's yeah. first show, and they're like eighteen or sixteen yeah. or fifteen. Yeah, is yeah, they're s-
1: interested No, I'm just gonna say they see somebody playing guitar in a live situation, and it will be like so alien to them. It's just like that's amazing. How do you do that? I want to do that. Isn't it interesting that
2: you brought up the hottest kind of new upstart band is Greta Van Fleet, and then you bring up the idea, the the concept of how there's been a big resurgence for vinyl. Uh, for vinyl, which both harken back to kind of a, a desire for nostalgia. Yes, because Gregor Van Fleet is is nothing more than a, a real dig back into some retro sure. approach yeah, to yeah. music. Totally. So maybe that is the answer as music kind of lurches forward kind of into the retro age maybe there is room for young kids who who love ACDC or Motorhead and can embrace yeah. kind of yeah. these kind of rootsy like v- Greta Van Fleet who are obviously influenced by Zeppelin and bands like that I mean, how does it not. make you
1: feel when how how does it make you feel when you see like a seventeen or eighteen year old kid wearing a Zeppelin shirt or an ACDC shirt? Or
0: know? how does it make you feel when you see Greta Van Fleet being the hottest band in the land or no and they're twenty years old? Right. Yeah. I mean that's good for rock and roll. Yes, it's good it for is. all totally. of us. Totally. You is. know? Uh got a couple last points. As uh, when I went to Calgary to start wrestling, I met another guy called Lenny Olson, uh who we started jamming together with a drum machine and um, we made a record with the band name of uh, Great Caesars Ghost and we made copies of the record and we put them on sale at Big Rock Records and CDs in Okotoks, Alberta and we sold more copies than Elton John and Nirvana. We sold four, they sold three. <laughs> so we made <did> a big <laughs> <side. I hate. laughs> hey Outsold Nirvana and Elton John. Yeah. Uh, and a song on that record was a ballad that I wrote on guitar and vocal only based on a Halloween song called Longing, which is a Michael Kiske basically, just guitar and vocal. And the song is called God Pounds His Nails. Uh-huh. Years later... Ah. I took those lyrics, gave them to Rich, and that's where the song "God pounds his nails" came from. Oh, that's cool! Little, we, little known, little known fact: we outsold awesome. Madonna once. Yes, we did. Yeah,
2: where? Uh, Big rock records and tapes. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it was at uh, Virgin Records. She had a album release and. Rising was released. The stuck mojo album Rising was released the same night. But we did go and do a did we do a
1: signing that day? Yeah. Yeah, we did a signing. So I yeah. mean, you know, we we cheated somewhat, but we, still it looked good to look on their weekly sales yeah, their we weekly were number sales, one. And we Madonna sold like forty eight hundred records
2: cool. and she sold like thirty five. It's like we sold almost five thousand copies and she only sold like thirty five and she's Madonna. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, at that virgin record. <laughs> at that yeah. one location. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I'll okay. take it, though. Yeah. Billy, uh, when you were on the Sunset Strip, what was your favorite gig that you've ever had? Did you ever play with anybody cool?
4: Um, yeah. At, well, my favorite gig was at the uh, at the Roxy, and uh, it was with the band called Pretty Boy Floyd. Mm-hmm. They weren't one of my favorites, yeah. but, but they're the a big place yeah. was
2: packed,
4: dude. We were main support. It was an awesome show and something I'll never
2: forget. Right, right. Yeah. That's amazing that... Uh, Billy Gray tasted all of this stuff. That's first. what it yeah. And you're talking from 1988, sons, 1989.
0: Like you, you were part of that scene. dude. like we watched Decline of the Western Civilization. Yep. You might be in that movie in the my crowd buddy, somewhere. My buddy
4: was in. The, my roommate was in the movie. His he was in a band called Tommy Rot.
0: <laughs> Tommy Rot. <laughs> Tommy we know Tommy, that guy. That? Yeah. My band I mean, is called Tommy Rot. <laughs> Tommy Rot.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I started Stuck Mojo in 1989. But we didn't get our start. I mean, well, we, I, we, we eventually started opening for some nationals, but we actually didn't get our record deal until 1994. So Billy was already, I think we opened for biggest band we ever opened up for early on was 311, and that would have been kind of 93 or mm. 92 or something. Yeah, that was but before me. Yeah, that's pretty cool, dude.
1: Yeah,
0: man. Pretty that's...
2: Boy Floyd. Yeah? yeah.
0: Stevie Sex Summers. Yeah. Okay, last question. What was your favorite song that used to play in the high school band, cover original or both? Frank? Oh,
1: man. God. Come back to me. I'd have to think about that for a second. Billy? I'm going to go ahead and say Ain't Talking About Love. I just
4: love that riff. And being able to start the song and at the front of the stage, you know, as a kid, you know, the crowd knew
0: the song already. And after seeing Van Halen play it, it was awesome. That's great. Uh, For me, um, as, as an original, it was City Nights, which later got changed to Puzzled Life. Because City Nights was too uh, pedestrian. And actually, that song, those guys went on to play in a band called Skullduggery, which actually had some steam in the early 90s in Winnipeg. They played all the bars of the place that we used to go watch bands play. Uh, okay. And it was a little bit of my DNA that they were still playing Puzzled Life, which I wrote a couple riffs for. Um, they dropped the bass all at the beginning, which pissed me off. But my favorite song that we played was Aces High. Uh. And it was always fun to play because I always loved that part. And like I said, I was not a great bass player, but I could hold my own that part. Ding 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 It was the one time when we nailed it. Warren was on the drums. It was great. And the final caveat was we only had a three piece because no one else we knew wanted to play those type of songs. So one day, there's this guy moved down the street. And I think I told this story recently. His name was Rick Ramratin, and he was. Rick Ramratin. Strong. He was. He was not East Indian, but from the West Indies. Or he might have been East City, but he was very dark and he was like a, an Indian cat, whether it was East or West or whatever. And he's like, hey, you talk like this. Yeah, I play guitar, dude. And I was like, hey, right, what do you think? I play Iron Maiden. <laughs> and I was like, why don't you come over to, to our house and jam? And, and it's like, do you know? He's, you know, he, he's like, uh, you guys know Aces High? We're like, yeah, we know Aces You know Aces High? Yeah, yeah. So we played Aces High and it was first time Scimitar ever had two guitar players. Finally, all these bands that we covered, Megadeth, Metallica, maiden they're all two guitar bands. We only have one guitar player. And it sounded so amazing. And it was so great. And when it was done, it's like, dude, do you want to join our band? He's like, no, dude, I'm okay. I'll see you later.
1: (laughs) And he never came again. And he must have thought we sucked. Well, hey, you ended up in a band with four guitar players at one (laughs) point. That's true. That's true. Rich, I probably
2: say uh, I, I. So I go not the obvious thing, but that that uh, kind of high school dance band we used to play NXS, excess. Don't change. The songs uh, don't change a great song. don't change for you oh right. don't change uh, that's a great song yeah for like me. That. yeah i'm standing here mm. on the ground oh that's yeah, yeah. is that from the slay yeah.
1: thieves or is that from earlier than that no that's from an album called Shabu, Shabu shabbat. shabbat yeah with the uh, original is it original sin on that uh no no that only had uh that had uh don't change and um what was the first song in the album? It was a big one thing. Yeah, it's the one thing.
2: Yeah, or or for me, like one thing leads to another. Like, oh, fix. We used to play all of those songs. Like that was like my era where I really learned. And those songs were so cool because they appealed to rockers like us, but they also translated to girls. They and you could get people to dance to those songs. It was like that. The Pretty and Pink soundtrack era where like Rock Dude still liked it. It wasn't... It didn't alienate. Isn't
0: it funny though as we sit here talking, you know, is that all of what you're talking about the four of our influences and how we kind of started all go into the fozzy pot you've got kind of the more new wave dancey stuff you've got kind of more of the proggy heavier stuff you've got kind of a glam element you got frank you're talking about playing hard-hitting original stuff it's like it it really is kind of a
2: a little bit of the ingredients of of the fozzy soup
0: yeah it's a
1: it's true when
2: you listen to uh the judas album there's so many like different elements that come together to make kind of what is a really unique sound and there are some real dance elements in there and there's some real metal elements yeah. and there's some prog elements all of these things that we're talking about the glam we, we kind of yeah. grew up within yeah. is on on these records and I think again you know, I think this is a cool conversation because a great way to tie it up obviously mm. is is that we are really who we are, this is not really put on yeah. And, yeah. and and everyone wants to experiment and try new things and we have I mean, we've constantly tried to spread our wings a bit and, and push ourselves to be as good as we can be and try a little bit more here but at our core, we've always been this groovy, hard rock band with some proggy elements to it with big choruses and, and I think that's uh, a product of who we were when we were kids.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yep. Good stuff, guys. Uh, and Gar- Garth Kwasnitsa, if you're out there, please tell me how the hell you spelled your name.
2: Because it's really
3: bugging me. <laughs>
0: All right, Fozzie, doing a bunch of gigs on the upcoming Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestle Rager at C Part 2. Book your cabin while you still can at ChrisJerichoCruise.com and come join us when we set sail next January 20th. Ric Flair, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, X Pac, Jake the Snake Roberts, Queen Charmel, Booker T, MVP, uh, Vicky Guerrero, Shaw Guerrero, Brad Williams, Jack Slade, uh, Red Cup Jeff, Eric Bischoff, Conrad Thompson. So many high level uh, Hall of Famers and main event talent on this cruise. Fozzie will be playing Farewell to Fear, Rubik's Cube, uh, Dark Sky Choir, Killer Queens, the greatest female Killer Queen cover in the uh, in the land, Queen cover band, Dave Spivak Project, Jared James Nichols, Kickaxe, AEW will be there. Some of the biggest stars in wrestling today will be there, We're about ready to announce some of the roster members from AEW who will be on The, the Rock and Wrestling Rager. DDP returns to host more live DDP yoga workshops on the ship. Beyond the Darkness hosting creepy paranormal events. So much stuff going on. Uh, book now chrisjerichocruise.com we're pretty much uh, at 83% right now um, we know it's going uh, coming fast so nine months left before the cruise but I think we'll probably be sold out in the next month or two so if you want to come on board go to chrisjerichocruise.com and have the vacation of a lifetime all right coming up on Friday one of the newest signings to AEW jungle boy Jack Perry who's talking about his gimmick how he got started in wrestling and of course about his famous father the late Luke Perry of 90210 in Riverdale uh, great guy good kid He's a hell of a performer, and we're excited to have him in AEW, and I'm excited to have him on Talk is Jericho on Friday. So we'll see you in a couple days. Until then, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big, yeah, boy! Sour grapes, rotten cream, overnight bananas, it's all for me. That's from Sour Grapes
3: by Scimitar. Oh, yeah!